Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Kevin Brodell, partner at Patton Sullivan Brodell and author of the LLC Jungle and Money and Dirt blogs. Kevin, welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. Hello, LA. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we have a chance to uh, to chat here. We don't get a chance to talk as often as we used to. So uh, thanks again for joining the show. And tell us a little bit about yourself, your practice, and your blogs. Sure. Thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure. Um, We've known each other for a while now, so I'm very happy to see you doing a podcast and very honored to be a guest. So uh, my practice is I've been a litigator my entire career, started practicing in 1998, and I've focused entirely on real estate and business disputes uh, from a broad perspective. And when you drill down, Uh, Most of my cases are relatively high stakes. Most of them involve real estate in one form or another. And then more more recently, I've noticed that a lot have involved LLC disputes. And a lot of those are real estate related. Some are not. They can be from industries all across the board. And uh, I don't do any transactional work, don't do anything that doesn't involve a courtroom or an arbitration room. And uh, so that's what I've done. And I love it. Very cool. Um, how did you get this idea for doing blogs as a uh, biz dev tactic? So the blogs came to me, uh, th- the first one was Money and Dirt. That came to me around, I think, 2014, I started that. And that was really uh, the result of a lot of trying different things and, and seeing what I liked and maybe what worked. I think it was the recession that kind of put me into marketing framework as it did, I think, a lot of attorneys at that time. Up until then, you know, I was a 10 10 or 11 year attorney when the recession hit. And up until then, I was perfectly happy just doing the work. Just feed me the work. I'll do it. I'll do it well. I like to read, I like to research, and I like to write. But uh, right around the recession, it became pretty clear that that wasn't going to be enough to really have the kind of career that I wanted to have and I wanted to go out and develop business. So I started trying a lot of different things. And uh, one of the, one of my former partners at a prior firm had started a very uh, well-recognized construction law blog. And I thought that is so cool. And not only is it accessible, but it, it just seems like he had a really fun time doing it. And so it was right around 2014 that I decided upon uh, starting the Money and Dirt blog because I figured, you know, a lot of people are doing real estate stuff, but not a lot of people are, are dealing with the intersection of money, both in the form of big deals that have gone bad, but also secured lending and um, foreclosure type litigation between, you know, big banks and sophisticated developer borrowers. Not a lot of people were writing about that. So I decided to, to try it out and it's, I've stuck with it ever since then. What did you find so interesting about that topic that you felt that, okay, here's something that I need to write about because I'm excited about it. And there's other people as well that are out there who might also be excited about it. I think maybe one reason that the blog idea or the concept of a blog turned me on so much was that there was no real... 
I mean, there are industry groups for developers and such, but you know, a lot of my clients, they're not, they're not so big that they're participating in these big nationwide uh, commercial real estate developer groups. They kind of keep to themselves. And the same thing on the LLC jungle um, area, those are even smaller clients. Most of those LLCs are maybe four to 10 people, mostly real estate investors. There is no systematic and organized way to reach those people by just joining an industry group or some association. And so I looked at blogging as a way of, well, okay, they can find me if I'm putting relevant material out there and helpful material out there for them, they can find me that way. There's, there's something you do differently than probably 95% of the other attorneys who blog. And it's really one of the first questions I get is as a business coach, my clients will say, I want to do a blog. And they're so excited about doing one. Um, and they attach their blog to their website. And that's, that's all it is. It's just a blog that's on the website, but you have it named. The LLC jungle is one money and dirt is a second. They're named, they're different. Um, tell us, tell me a little bit about how you came up with titling those blogs the way you did. Well, uh, a lot of a lot of thinking, brainstorming, and uh, anyone who knows me knows I'm a night owl, and I do a lot of my best work at night. I also do a lot of my best thinking at night. Sometimes uh, at night, when I'm you know done with my billable work, somewhere around midnight or so, my brain will be too revved up to fall asleep, and so that's when I start thinking about different marketing ideas. Honestly, the title of those two blogs just kind of came to me uh, in different late night uh, thought sessions, laying down, waiting to get tired. Money and dirt struck me as, um, I mean, I've always heard of real estate litigators referred to as dirt lawyers because they deal with dirt, real estate. Um, but to me, I was always more interested in that intersection between big deals gone bad, big loans gone bad, and that's money. And then the LLC jungle, I really wasn't looking to start a second blog, um, but it was around 2018 that I realized, wow, for the last maybe uh, half of my career have been uh, LLC disputes, some, some of them real estate, some of them not. And so I was debating between two titles for that. One was the LLC jungle, which one? The other was the LLC whisperer, which, uh, I mean, all these titles are a bit corny, but corny... <laughs> Corny does get remembered, and uh, I'm glad I picked the jungle over the whisperer. Well, I think it fits well, too, with your firm's brand, which is, you know, pretty intense, aggressive, sharp, you know, litigating law firm. Um, LLC jungle certainly fits in there a lot better than whisperer, so. Yeah, and I think jungle also conveyed the, uh, with respect to the LLC litigation that I do, there are just so many traps and unknowns and Un underappreciated aspects to LLC law that I thought Jungle better better summarize those risks. We can definitely see the tigers lurking in the underbrush. Yes, <laughs> right. exactly. <laughs> and so you you did Money and Dirt, and presumably you enjoyed that, and there were some signs there that it was working for you. We'll get to that in a minute. But what was it that actually made you say to yourself, "Okay, you know what"? I'm going to do this second blog, the LLC jungle. I'm going to double down and spend more time doing blogs and I'm going to launch a separate blog instead of just doing more money and dirt posts. 
LA, it was such a, a challenge for me to actually pull the trigger on it because it was right around the time that I was uh, leaving my kind of bigger, comfortable regional firm to start up with uh, my partners now in a smaller, my, my two partners now, Randy and John, they had been together for a decade. So it was really me joining them. But we also changed a lot when I came aboard. I had new ideas to implement. So there were a lot of entrepreneurial efforts going into uh, my career at that point in time. So I re- that's another reason I didn't have time for a second blog. But maybe it was just having on all those entrepreneurial thoughts, like how do we run a firm better? How do we build a better firm? How do we build a better practice? that I just couldn't ignore the massive opportunity that I saw in niching out on this LLC stuff. And I actually reached out to a, um, a former uh, partner at a big San Francisco firm that I had gotten to know through the UC Davis Law alumni. And I asked her, I, I told her what I was going through and I, I got enough on my plate already, but there's this opportunity with this LLC stuff. And she said, Kevin, you have to go for it. And so I did right, right around the same time we, we uh, started the new firm. Got it. And so now that you're in uh, a few years into it, into both of these blogs, how have those blogs actually helped to practice? So I, I'll admit that probably the one deficiency I have is any real systematic organized way of tracking things. Um, however, um, I've noticed more and more lately that when I get calls or referrals, um, people will mention the blog. Now, a lot of the time, I would say most of the time, the blogs serve as, you know, confirmation or verification that I I might know what I'm talking about (laughs) instead of just, oh, I found you through your blog. But there's been a lot of instances in the past couple of years where they actually have found me through my blog. And these are not um, small cases. They're, they're bigger matters and they're sophisticated clients who, you know, in this day and age, a lot of our sophisticated clients, they are doing their own research and, you know, they're not going to represent themselves pro per in a case, but they're certainly going to do a lot of digging and figure out as much as they can before they hire an attorney. And so to me, the blogs uh, provide credibility more than that direct pipeline of business, but it's, it's worked both ways. There's, there's a couple of things that you mentioned there that were fantastic points. I want to make sure the audience remembers these. The first is that you cannot necessarily draw a line from a blog post to potential clients. That, that line is hard to draw. It does happen, and it's happened with you, but you can't always make that direct connection. That's the first thing to bear in mind. The second that you mentioned is your blogs are not basic topics. They're sophisticated blogs written for a sophisticated audience, and so maybe it's not as surprising when the people that read those blogs contact you and they're good cases because you're talking about complex topics. And so just a word to attorneys that are doing blogs, if you want to attract a basic audience, and there's nothing wrong with that, but if that's who you want to attract, write a basic blog. If you want to attract a sophisticated audience, write a sophisticated blog because what you put out there is what you're going to get back. And and I love that you really took an intentional approach to doing that. Yeah, and, and I think another kind of comment that dovetails with that, LA, is the importance of having a niche uh, and, and really having subject matter expertise. I, I know that a lot of my earlier marketing efforts were, you know, writing an article about this new appeal case about evidence or attorney fees or some really nuts and bolts procedural stuff that frankly would really only interest other attorneys. 
Um, and I think that having a niche, having a subject matter uh, expertise, in my case with the LLCs and with the, you know, the money and dirt type cases, that's going to help a lot too. It, it just helps you be more memorable when you're writing about things that are in a very narrow lane. And to me, that that's probably one of the hardest things to um, to get past as a younger attorney trying to market. You just you want to spread it out so broadly to make sure you don't miss any opportunities and. One of the first things I, I read about and learned about when I started getting into this marketing thing was the value of a niche. The, the narrower you get, the bigger your opportunities actually are going to be. And that's been 100% true for me. I love that. And so how did you find your niches, if you think back? So it, it, it's funny because uh, it was not really an intentional, I'm going to dive into this practice area type thing. And, and for many years, I struggled with the niche concept because I could see how it would be valuable to have a niche, but I always just thought of myself, and now I'm just a business and real estate litigator. I do a whole bunch of business and real estate related cases. I can't narrow it down any further than that. But uh, it was really only after just a lot of reflection over the types of cases I was doing and drilling down into, well, okay, this isn't and seeing how other attorneys who did business and real estate litigation, whose practice looked nothing like mine, it just took some thinking about how to appreciate how is my practice different? How are my cases different? And it was really only by, it was a process of deduction more than anything else that I realized, oh, okay, well, th these are the two areas that I kind of own with my practice. Well, I, thank you for being so honest about that because so many uh, attorneys that I work with they think that, okay, we're going to go on this offsite and there's going to be this, you know, this whiteboard and we're going to go through this big analytical exercise about opportunities and strategy and come up with this brilliant, brilliant move. Oftentimes, like, that's not the case. That, that's been my experience too. My focus on attorneys was literally just reflecting on my clients and saying, oh my gosh, I have a ton of clients who are lawyers and law firms. Maybe I should focus on that. And yeah. you were open to finding a niche for a long time before you kind of deduced where your sweet spot was and where your niche should be. And so oftentimes that's really what it is. It's reflecting, being open to it, thinking about it. Yeah. And uh, at my prior firm, we, we had a marketing coach that would work with groups of attorneys at a time for, for a short period. But I remember one comment he made to me when I was kind of griping about this. Oh, you know, I'm just a business and real estate lawyer. You can't niche me out any more than that, man. And he said, Kevin, if you were in North Dakota, maybe you could be the business and real estate litigator. And that would really stand out. But you're in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area of California. There are thousands of other business and real estate litigators that, you know, basically brand themselves that way in your area, you need to drill down. And I think that really inspired me to, to get a little deeper. Outstanding. That is terrific. Yeah, it is a process that you go through. I remember one of my clients, uh, an estate planning attorney, um, we had to figure out what made her unique. What was your unique value proposition? Um, and it turned out she did not have a, a specialization like you do. It was just general estate planning. But in her area, in her geographic area, at her price point and with her background, she was the only attorney in the area that, you know, kind of checked those three pieces of criterion. And so that's how she marketed herself and it worked out really well for her. So yeah, there's, you know, finding a way to differentiate yourself is awesome. And just out of curiosity, now that you've got these blogs and you have these niches, what has that done um, to simplify your marketing? Oh, it's helped immensely. Uh, it really has. Whereas before, 
I used to just pitch across the broad spectrum of real estate and business issues. Now I just pitch super narrow. And, and the LLC one is actually even narrower than the money and dirt because money and dirt still encompasses quite a few different types of, of cases. You know, you have your real estate investors maybe fighting with each other. You have a purchase and sale agreement that's gone bad between a developer and a big landowner. There's still kind of a big variety there. Um, the LLC jungle, it's about as narrow as it gets. It's, hey, if, if you're a member or a manager in an LLC and you're having internal problems, I mean, that's as that's what I do. And so, and people remember that much easier than just, oh, Brodell's the business and real estate litigator. It's so much more specific. Yeah. And clearly you put a lot of thought into what you post. Um, I don't appreciate all the nuances, but I've gone through and read some of those posts and I can tell they're very well thought out and well articulated, which begs the question, when I look at a lot of attorney websites, they have had like one blog post in the last three months. You know, now with uh, with the pandemic, they might not have blogged in 2020 at all. How do you find the time to not just blog on one, but actually do two blogs? Well, so when I started the second blog, I uh, so I had money in dirt for a couple of years, uh, 2014 until 2018 is when I started the LLC Jungle. Back when I just did Money and Dirt, I think my goal was to post twice per month, and I hit that. And when I started the LLC Jungle, I figured, well, if I post twice per month on both blogs, I'm going to kill myself. It's just too much. And so I shifted to be, I'm still going to do twice per month, one for one blog, one for the other blog. And that's what I've maintained pretty much uh, every month since they started. The, the way I make time for it, it's just the same way you make time for anything else. You, you habitualize it. Uh, I... I, it's a goal of mine, and oftentimes, if you look at my my blogs, you'll see that a post might be on the thirtieth or thirty first of the month because I hold myself accountable. I every each blog needs one post per month, and so uh, I've held myself to that the same way you hold yourself to workouts or or any other habit that you want to have. Even awesome. when I'm busy, even when I'm in trial, I'll get one done. Well, that's, that's the point I was going to mention is, you know, you're a litigator. And so at times your workload can get pretty intense. Plus you're a partner at the firm. Uh, and just so everyone here knows, just so you all know, when you're listening, Kevin doesn't just sit in his office and blog as his only business development tactic. I mean, you are out, right, Kevin, you're out and about as far as other marketing that you do. Yeah. Yeah. The blogs are just one component. Um, my favorite thing to do is, is just go out and meet people and talk to people. In fact, one of the first marketing books I've read, the, the quote that I'll never forget was, business is best done belly to belly. And it just means get out of your office and go meet people because it's only really when you have that one-to-one or, or maybe in a three-person lunch uh, dialogue that you really get to know people. And so, yeah, it's in-person communications. Um, it's, it's networking groups. We, you and I are both involved in Provisors. That's been a great group. I've been involved in other industry groups from from here and there, but you know those regular coffees, lunches, and uh, small group meetings are there's no substitute for those. And so Kevin spends hours, probably every week, networking, whether it's on Zoom or whether it's you know in person. And he's a partner at his firm, so he helps run that. He's involved with hiring for his law firm, and he's a litigator and a very active and busy one. And Kevin still finds the time to do two blog posts a month. So for all of you out there who are saying, you know, I don't have the time to do a blog post. You do have the time. You just have to prioritize it. Um, 
And so Kevin, you know, many attorneys have blogs, but their blogs don't seem to help them. And we've talked quite a bit about some things that you're doing differently. But as you reflect on that, what do you think might be different about your approach? Well, Alay, I think in in all my thinking about marketing, uh, I've in my own head at least I've distilled it to three things. Um, one is to be visible, two is to be memorable, and three is to be helpful. And there's no real secret to any of those. Uh, being helpful speaks for itself. Uh, the first one, being visible, just means you, you got to get out there and do stuff, whether it's write or talk to people. It's the middle one, I think, where you can really, um, with the blogs, being memorable, it really just means writing about something that matters. Um, you know, my earlier efforts, I think, probably lacked that component because, again, I was just writing about kind of generic issues that pop up and might be of some vague interest to maybe every attorney in the world, but not that interesting. And that now having the focus and the niche, when I write about things, it, yeah, it might not be interesting to 90 or 95% of the, the world population out there, but for anyone swimming in the LLC jungle streams that I'm in uh, or in the money and dirt streams, it's going to hit. It's going to hit with at least some group of people. And so I, I think being memorable goes hand in hand with having that niche. That's a terrific point. I love how you broke it down into those three things, uh, visible, memorable, and helpful. That's awesome. And the nice thing about blogs is they live into perpetuity. So once you write it, it's out there, it's on the internet, it's there forever. For those of you that are looking to get started with a blog, um, as Kevin said, your early blogs might not be great. They might suck. But Kevin, I'm sure you're finding now it's a lot easier to write a blog than maybe it was when you first got started. Right. It does. Uh, you get your formula down. Um, for me, it's just a matter of uh, new cases being published by courts of appeal in California are kind of the backbone of my blogs. It's not always about a new case, but it usually is. And so I just keep track of cases. I, I save the cases that look interesting. And then each week I'll go back and look at them closer and figure out which one is, is blog worthy. And uh, it's kind of built into my daily and weekly grind at this point. And because you're doing that, because you're constantly going back and looking at these cases to determine which ones are interesting and which ones are worth publishing, has that had any impact on your ability to keep up to date and current as an attorney? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, I always joke with people that's <laughs> I'm finding more and more now. I'll come up, I'll come across a situation in a case, a real life case, one that I'm handling as an attorney, and I'll think, you know, I've seen this this fact pattern emerged somewhere else before. And I think I blogged about a case that would help me here. And I'll, I'll search back. And sure enough, like five years ago, I blogged about a case that's, you know, applicable to the current dispute. So it's actually been helpful for my own education, too, to look back and, and have that kind of library of resources that I've already thought about. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, as you were thinking about starting up these blogs, or continuing with the blogs. One of the things I've heard a lot about attorneys is that they tend to be perfectionists. And so how did you overcome that? Man, I gotta make this thing perfect, but I also have a deadline and it's the 30th of the month and I gotta get this done. How did you get past that, get the blog published and continue to move forward? Boy, it, it is hard because uh, attorneys are perfectionists. I think you just have to keep reminding yourself, this is not a brief, this is not going to uh, result in a win or a loss for your client. It does reflect on you. So, of course, you can't be too cavalier about it. You do have to put in thought. But 
you know, sometimes less is more. Um, I always aim for a pretty brief blog post, even if it's a really complicated, like 40 page appellate decision. I know that there's going to be many issues that just don't connect with anyone reading it. And so I usually try to distill it down to the one or two important things about that case. And then as I'm writing it, I'm always trying to keep the audience in mind. Like this is not for me. This is not necessarily for other attorneys. This is for people who just want to kind of get the the gist, get the punchline and have it be something that, you know, sits with them and, and affects them. And you're not going to get that by writing a law review article, every blog post. Absolutely. Um, what do you think about, this is something I've been thinking about as we were, as we, as, as this topic came up, there's a lot of companies out there that when they're doing the SEO stuff, they also offer to write blogs. And I don't think you use those services. Correct me if you, if you do, but I don't, I don't know that you do. You are right about that. I do not use them. And it's funny you mentioned that because when, um, when I came and, and joined um, uh, John and Randy to make Patton Sullivan Brodell, one of the first things I wanted to do was uh, revamp our website. And so I took, I took on the lead of figuring out, you know, how do we do this? And boy, LA, I spoke with probably 10 different uh, shops that do, oh, we specialize in law firm websites. That's all we do. We know how to do this. And I found that very appealing. And I talked to all of them. They all wanted to sell this. Oh, we'll write your blog post for you. SEO, SEO, and we'll write it. We know what keywords to include. And I just thought to myself, like, I don't, I don't want you to write my blog posts. I mean, it would sure be easier to have someone else, you know, write all this stuff for me. But that's not why I do it. I do it for myself partly. And uh, once you lose authorship of the blog, to me, it's like, what are you doing it for? I guess it would work maybe with um, – I don't know, more consumer focusing, uh, consumer facing type yeah. practice where maybe the issues you really are just trying to appeal to a mass audience. But for me and my practice areas, they're just so narrow and specific and, and, and they're pretty complex too to figure out that I just, I needed to maintain authorship. So we ended up not using any of those national websites slash blogging firms. And we found a local uh, option that was much better great option and uh, kept full control of the blogs. Terrific. No, that's, that's awesome because if, if you're just blogging for SEO locally in your market and you want to do something that's just out there, that's going to maybe throw off a few leads and a basic blog service where you outsource it might be the way to go, but that's not what you're doing with the LLC jungle and money and dirt. You're building something special and you're putting a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of sophistication into the content and the return you get is commensurate with that. I don't know that you could outsource these to other organizations and have anywhere near the return on your investment as you're getting by doing it yourself. It does take more of your time and yep. more of your effort, but there are so many rewards as we've been talking through here today. Yep, I agree. Well, as um, attorneys are looking to really uh, get their business development on track, or if they're looking to really upgrade it and take it to the next level. Um, I know we've been talking about blogs here today, but it's part of your overall business development strategy. Um, what is some advice that you have for those people that are just looking to get started or, or to really take it to the next level? Yeah, uh, I guess one, one thing I would advise younger attorneys looking to get started is just don't be afraid to try a lot of different stuff because 
there are, there are so many ways to market your practice. And I mean, maybe they can be boiled down to some fundamentals. I mean, you do have to meet people. You do have to get to know people and you can't really do that effectively uh, by being a hermit and doing nothing but research and writing your brief. So uh, you do have to get out there, but beyond that, it's so customizable. And I don't think that there is one blueprint for success. And I know I searched, I mean, back when I started thinking about marketing, I wanted someone to give me a blueprint and I was ready to just charge into it, but no one ever gave me a blueprint. They just had these suggestions about, well, maybe this, maybe that even the uh, mentor partners at my firm who had wild success with their practices, even they said, well, don't have a formula, but here's a few things you might try, and it depends on what you want to do. And so it really is freeform. It's so customizable, and I think it starts with the, the motivation, frankly, to just want to build a practice. And some people don't, don't want to. They're comfortable just doing the work and doing the work. But like I said, the recession in 2008 uh, really changed my attitude about how comfortable I was doing the work because for many, many years, I thought of myself as the technician. I would be the best writer and the best researcher and the best arguer in court, and that's all I needed out of my career. Then the recession came and, you know, everyone took massive pay cuts and I had a third kid on the way and I thought to myself, you know what, maybe I should start thinking about this. So advice is to just do what works for you. Try out reading and try out writing and try out speaking because I've, I've also focused a lot on speaking uh, gigs that kind of revolve around my blogs. So that's been a natural evolution. And since COVID hit, I've been giving webinars uh, on the LLC jungle, which used to be in-person seminars, but there are so many different things to try. You just have to try them. And maybe there is an industry group or organization that would be, you know, super valuable for other practices. For me, it didn't, you know, have a, a ton of appeal, but uh, that could be very valuable depending on what industry you're in and what kind of practice you're in. But I think the the number one tip is to just get out and start trying stuff and don't be afraid of failing because seven out of 10 might go absolutely nowhere. And, and another two out of 10 might just be kind of vague and you don't really know if they're working or not. And so the best gauge is, are you having fun doing it? Are you being helpful for other people? And are other people remembering what you do through your marketing efforts? To me, that's the key. Yeah, I uh, love it. Love it. And by the way, be suspicious if anyone does have a blueprint to give you, because it may have worked well for one person, but it, it will not work well for the majority of people. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, and, and the faster they try things, the faster, um, you know, you might call it failure. I call it learning. But the faster they get to what they really enjoy doing, what they're good at, what puts them in front of the right people, um, the faster they can build a practice. That's terrific advice. So. Patton Sullivan Brodell, and then the LLC Jungle, and the Money and Dirt blogs, you have a lot of irons in the fire with the growing law firm and these two blogs that are attracting a lot of attention. Um, what excites you about Patton Sullivan Brodell and the blogs in the future? Well, Alain, I'm having more fun at this smaller platform than I've had in my whole career. Um, I'm excited about the entrepreneurial angles that having a smaller firm brings. And, uh, and I am excited for the future because I'll say that since since I started up at the smaller firm, it just feels like people want to give me business more. Uh, people, I think, respect the the other entrepreneurs in their community. And I think just, you know, in general, something I've noticed for many years is a lot of clients have kind of lost their lust for the big firm practice. Um, I think clients are kind of catching on to 
the fact that, you know, these big firms with huge overheads, they're paying for that. The clients are paying for that. And so there is, to, to me, there's a huge opportunity for smaller firms to really take very good, valuable work uh, from some of the work that's traditionally been done by the bigger firms in the area. And that's exactly what we're seeing. Uh, we've been growing. We hired our first associate uh, in January of 2020 this year. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. And it, it's, been a, it's been a great ride. And I think um, our firm is, is one of several that I've gotten to know around the area with really excellent attorneys. Because I think the misperception, and I spent my whole career at bigger regional firms, and I always thought, well, why would anyone want to be at a smaller firm? It's like you feel so unsupported and naked at a smaller firm. But now I'm seeing like a lot of really, really smart attorneys with good, strong practices have left and started smaller firms. And everyone I've talked to, they're happier than they've ever been. And that includes me. Well, in the past, maybe there wasn't as much of a choice because technology didn't enable that as well. You needed a lot more to start a firm yeah. 20 years ago than you do today. That's true. Uh, yeah, and you're absolutely right. A lot of firms have figured that out and a lot of attorneys have figured that out and they figure they can build fewer hours and make more money than they could you know, on, you know, at a small firm, at their firm, than they could if they worked at a large firm. So totally get it. And that is exciting. Um, if people want to uh, read up on your blogs, where should they go? I'm an easy person to find on the internet. You can go to either of the blogs, moneyanddirt.com or the llcjungle.com. You can also check out our firm website at psblegal.com, or you can just Google my name, Kevin Brodell, uh, HL at the end. Uh, it's kind of a tricky spelling, but you'll find me pretty easily. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for all your advice and insight and for being on the show. It's been a pleasure, Alay. Thank you so much for having me and good luck. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness you can build your perfect practice.